All right, guys. So welcome to Open World. So I'm, we have here uh, with us today, Marina Lari. Um, Marina is an ATA certified English into Spanish translator with over 15 years of experience in the translation industry. She's an expert in translation tools and managing projects in English and Spanish. She has worked as a translator, editor, and quality assurance specialist for many companies around the world with a special focus on creative translations and video game localization. She is the chief executive officer of Terra Translations and co-host of the podcast about translations that is called En Pantuflas. So welcome, Marina. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much Welcome. for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you all. So um, here today with me, uh, we have Alexis, Loretta, and uh, Lucia. So how are you guys? Hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, hello. Excited to be here. <laughs> so uh, we have a couple of questions, Marina. So because we were super anxious and excited to learn more about you and your background. Um, so how about Alexis? What, uh, what would you like to, to learn from Marina today? Yes. Hi, Marina. Welcome. <laughs> well, um, we are all gamers. So first things first, which games were the ones that got you into gaming? I mean, <laughs> there must have been some game that made you say, I want to translate video games and I want to play more. <laughs> well, I don't know if I was thinking about that when I started uh, playing video games that I wanted to translate them. But I do remember very clearly that the first game where I got hooked was Tetris. So I was really good at it. And I was also obsessed about this. And um, every, I remember... Um, <laughs> people talking to me and me seeing the little figures coming on their faces. <laughs> so this is when I knew I was completely obsessed with this game and I, I couldn't stop you thinking were hooked. about where, where they should go. Um, but I actually, I grew up in, in the province of Argentina, mm -hmm. in a small town, and we had a, an arcade game store uh, called Flash. Yeah. And we used to spend so many hours there with my brother playing The Simpsons and Street Fighter and Pac-Man and all these games. And um, so I think that's, that's when, I, when I knew I, <laughs> that the games were a passion. And then my first console was the... Um, in Argentina, it was the family game console. Yeah. So similar to... Mess, right? Exactly. The, similar to the, that one, but the cheapest option i guess <laughs> yes. and um yeah and, and so mario bros was uh was the the first game i played there um yeah and that's when i was completely hooked and also and also playing with my brother we actually this the game that we like the most with my brother is this game that is not so well known it's called snow bros yes. i don't know if you guys know it you guys know yes. it i know the snow bros <laughs> yes. So I was uh, also raised in Argentina, so I'm pretty familiar with that one as well. You guys are going to need to arcades. show me this one. Yeah. We have to play that one with Lodi then. What games have destroyed your Well, yeah. it's not so common. I, I don't think people here in the US are so familiar with this game. Um, so it's, um, it's just a game about two snowmen. Um, <laughs> and Flashing I was always a red enemy. snowman. And my brother was always the blue snowman, and we like 
to this day we can master this game. In fact, last summer uh, we had um, rented an Airbnb house and had an arcade game and had the Snow Bros game. Oh <laughs> and my, my brother God. and I. <laughs> really? What are the odds? I mean, for for you to rent a place and for them to have that specific game. Well, it had oh, many world. games in the in the in the arcade, and yeah, one of them was was that one. And so yeah, so we we spent a. Uh, uh, just a, a, so much fun um, reminiscing about our younger days playing this game and we can still master it by the way and did you get to show that game to your kids yes <laughs> <laughs> and, they and were they as obsessed as you were back then oh yeah yeah very much so it's a fun game and also the aesthetics are really curious looking and it's a, it's a cool game I, I really like it have you ever tried speedrunning that game? I mean, it's one of the best games to win in as least time as you can. So no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I didn't know all the codes to to go into the next uh, level without, without actually winning. So that's cheating. cheating. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not gaming. Or maybe it's, it is gaming. <laughs> I just really wanted to get to the end. <laughs> Well, the, the funny thing about this game, though, is that um, uh, so, of course, is the story of this princess that gets kidnapped, the two princesses and the two snowmen have to rescue them. But what I like about this game is that once they rescue them, then uh, this like evil witch um, kidnaps the, the, the two snowmen and the two princesses have to rescue them. Oh, so, you, ha so you, cool. you get to play as a princess the, the whole second part of the game, which is really cool. Oh, I didn't know that. I definitely part. want to play it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you, once Marie. you had mastered this game and mm. had gotten more into the professional <laughs> aspect of it, so how difficult was it to get into the game localization industry when you started translating video games? Like, what was the most useful mm -hmm. skill that you had to learn, you know, taking these first steps into the industry? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say it was very difficult, but um, I would say that working in video game lo localization was not um, widely known or mm -hmm. it, it wasn't popular. So uh, the most useful skill without, without a doubt, I think, is knowing about video games. So the amount of hours I, I spent playing the video games were extremely useful uh, when having to translate them. And also being a, a good communicator and being a good researcher. Um, when I first started out, video game localization was not a common uh, specialization for translators. Um, we didn't have any books or blogs or videos or webinars on the subject. So you didn't have any of the resources that you have now. So I would say that was the most challenging part back then. Uh, you couldn't easily check uh, for references online. You know, you couldn't get all the imagery you get with Google right now. Um, so that was, that was a challenge. And comparing it to nowadays, though, though um, it, I think that it's um, a little more um, competitive, the, the, the market for translators that are interested in specializing in this domain. Um, when I first started out, there were only two translators uh, of Spanish that were specialized in, in video game localization, and they were both from Spain. So I didn't know any 
Latin American Spanish specialized in this. And one of the first projects I worked on, which was a, a large AAA game, uh, we didn't have anything. So we had to start from scratch, from creating the style guide to creating the glossary to everything from the game. It, it was starting from zero. Where, um, nowadays, usually if you will work on a, on a big IP like this, uh, you would probably get a lot more material to get you started with. Um, so that's a, a, a big difference, I guess. So in some ways it's a little bit easier, but of course those new challenges always pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> always going to be yes. something else. There are other, other challenges now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So, Marina, we have another question, and this has to do with something really important and something that has been discussed a long time now. So we need you to answer, to give the ultimate answer to this. Which is best, Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> and please, be honest. Okay, so I, I have about. to be honest, uh, Lucian, I hope I'm not disappointing you completely, but I do like Star Wars. That's what I used to watch growing up. I know, <laughs> but I like Star Trek too. It's just like I'm a okay, Star Wars okay. fan. So. I'll get over this. I'll get over this. <laughs> so t tell me why you love Star Trek over Star Wars. Oh, you first. Please. <laughs> me, it's because that's what I watched uh, growing up. So the first trilogy is what I watched and what got me into like the Star Wars world. Oh, well, when I was a child, I had a lot of books on science fiction. I read a lot of Asimov and my grandfather was mm. a fan of science fiction. So yeah. I ended up getting into TV science fiction. The cinema was a lot of, it had a lot of influences on me. Um, but I think Star Trek is uh, more appealing to me uh, because of this relation with uh, Asimov and uh, other famous authors. Uh, authors. Um, I think Star Wars is more of a science fantasy fiction. It's more mm -hmm. like Dungeons and Dragons and yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings than uh, as a pure science fiction like Star Trek in which you get uh, a lot of scientific explanations about what's going on and you, you can actually imagine uh, technology advancing to that point. That's really interesting. Yeah, I totally see your point though. It's definitely more tied to fantasy and I love I fantasy. Like, I guess that's why yeah. I like Star Wars. But I, I also like saber fights, so Star Wars is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I have another question, Star Wars related, um, and it's for Lore and Marina as well, because since you're both US-based, I wanted to know if you ever got to um, get dressed as any of the Star Wars car um, characters for oh, Halloween, awesome. since it's October already. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I, I did dress my daughter as Ray. Uh, a so Halloween cool. bag. Yeah. So sweet. <laughs> I haven't personally dressed so up yet. I've got a Vader helmet that I painted very cool for a, a Christmas gift for my husband actually a couple of years ago, but I think I've used it more than he has because I'm really pleased with how it turned out. So I wear it more often <laughs> than he does. Now we have to see it. That'll we be, yeah, I'll bring it for the next helmet. one. <laughs> That's so cool. And are you planning on, on this year's costume? Or you have no idea if you're doing anything? I have no idea. Is Halloween <laughs> even happening this year? I don't know. I mean, at least inside your home, you know? 
<laughs> just as an excuse to get dressed. Virtual you know? Halloween. There's always a good excuse to get dressed, though. I'm all... <laughs> We're doing an indoor one, too. And actually, Lucio brought it up. We're doing... Well, mine is Lord of the Rings and my husband's is Harry Potter. So we're going full <laughs> tilt on that fantasy, <laughs> fantasy <laughs> costume. <laughs> love it. I love it. That's so um, cool. So I have another question for you, Marina. Are you currently playing any games? I am. So I have two little ones at home. Um, and we are playing uh, a few video games. Uh, Minecraft, uh, Super Mario Bros, Deluxe. Uh, Mario Kart, Zelda Awakening, those are the ones that we're playing currently, and Just Dance. And they play together also, which I really find quite so adorable. Um, so yeah, and the other thing I really like about um, games and introducing them to, to games also when they're young is that you can also configure the language. So we speak uh, Spanish at home. Mm -hmm. But they grow up here um, in the United States, so they their English is their first language, and it's another way for me to try to introduce them to more terminology in Spanish and to actually get them more interested in Spanish. So it's not just me insisting that we speak Spanish, but also you know these cool characters also speak Spanish. <laughs> um, so. Um, so that's one thing I do. I configure the um, the settings on on their games uh, to Spanish, and it's really funny. Like my son has all these like very specific terminology of items and objects and worlds in Spanish, which is I find quite impressive. So I don't know. Parents. Some parents might judge me that I let them play video games <laughs> being so young, but um, but I think it's educational. So. <laughs> Well, uh, definitely. For me personally, I learned English uh, by watching movies and playing video games, RPGs mostly. So same here. That's pretty cool. Mm, I mean, it's it's amazing to see that still to till this day, new kids uh, are learning that language is not a barrier for them. I mean, even in gaming, they can play video mm -hmm. games that they can learn a lot, not just have fun. Exactly. And it's such a great tool to have. I mean, I think now it's just annoying for them that I ask them to say everything in Spanish. But eventually, I'm hoping that they will thank me because it is such an amazing tool to have, especially, I mean, I work with languages, I work in localization. So I understand it can be such a, just an amazing tool to have. Right. Well, thank you. For those of us who are a little bit newer to the industry, like myself, what would you recommend or advise to somebody who wants to get started in the localization industry, but doesn't really know where to get their foot in the door? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is to continue specializing because once you uh, finish your career, your studies as a translator and you you're so eager to start working and you're, you're ready for it. And you think like, this is it. Like I'm leaving my studies behind and I, I'm going to be working. And the truth is um, that you have to continue studying and you have to continue specializing pretty much all your career as a translator. So um, if you want to be on top of the latest grammar, the, the, the latest areas of specialization. I mean, you, you, it's a continuous learning experience, really. 
The second advice I would give is more of a like business practical one, which is to, to join a professional association. So depending on where you live, uh, you can find translators or interpreters that um, join different associations. And it, this is an amazing community uh, for professional development, for, but also for networking with other colleagues. Um, and it's super important. I mean, uh, great contacts can come out of this. And even if you're just starting out, these organizations are always looking for volunteers. So um, I highly recommend getting involved, as a, even as a volunteer, not, not even an, uh, in a passive role, but rather like in an active role, like offer yourself as a volunteer and dedicate some time and effort um, helping the profession and also networking with other colleagues. And um, yeah, the other, the other advice I have, uh, the professional advice I have is um, to always have a bird's eye view of the, of the localization um, industry as, as a whole, because as a, as a linguist, sometimes you get only like a very small portion of what's happening. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. And it's usually like at the very end and with limited access to everything else. And it is important, I think, as a linguist to know and understand like all the different um, people that are involved in the, the localization process and from quality assurance to the project management to the account management, what's happening on the, on the other side if you're working on localization on the publisher side. So, um, it really does help you understand how localization works. When I, when I was working as a translator and didn't know much about the industry itself, it always frustrated me so much. And it, 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 um, I couldn't understand why some companies were doing things a certain way. They made no sense to me in the, in, in, as a linguist. And then, yeah, looking back and really understanding how the whole uh, localization uh, process works, I can see you know, why some decisions were being made and why things were a certain way, even though I didn't like it. Um, but it's important to know how all the different roles contribute to the, the global strategy that a brand or a product has. And um, it, it adds to your role as a linguist. It makes you a better linguist, I believe. That's really great. Thank you. That, the one about joining the organizations really struck a chord with me, particularly because I finished my studies not too, too long ago. And we as students volunteered for, I believe it was an ATA conference that was being held in Milwaukee at the time. And we had a great time volunteering. We met a lot of people and then were able to attend sessions afterward that we would not have been able to afford as students otherwise. So it was a really good way for all of us to sort of, I guess, be introduced to the world and feel like we were also contributing in some way. I love that. That's so true. You, you usually do get a free pass for the events when you're volunteering. So it's a, it's a fantastic way to get your foot in, in the door. Well, thank you so much for all the good advice. You're welcome. Um, all right. So we wanted to know, since you were talking about these organizations that you collaborate, what are the, the organizations or associations that you collaborate with or that you recommend either, it can be either in your area or even Latin America for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say to start regional um, and then you can also go national or even uh, international. I mean, there are so many organizations. It, it really depends on what your 
um, maybe your niche is or your specialization is. Uh, and then if you start uh, local, which I really like, the, the smaller regional organizations, it's going to be easier to network and to actually get to know the people that you're working with. Right now, everything's virtual, but before that, you would actually be able to meet them in person. So that, that helps a lot. And, and then de developing those relationships, really, that's the most important part, like the, the people you meet and the connections that you make in these organizations. So, um, so some of the organizations, so I lived in Wisconsin for many years and I was involved uh, in the Midwest Interpreters and Translators Association there. I served two terms as a, a board member there. It was an amazing experience, met so many great colleagues, some of whom I still work with. Um, and then little by little, I um, started getting my foot in the door in the American Translators Association, which is the national organization for translators and interpreters. And right now I'm the administrator of one of the divisions, so I'm very involved with this association. Um, and it's an amazing association. But depending on when you are, I would say go regional first and then try to see what other uh, national or even international organizations you can help with. There are so many out there. Like another organization I am um, part of is Women in Localization, and I'm a chapter manager of the Los Angeles uh, chapter. I was living in Los Angeles then. I recently moved back to Wisconsin, but I told them I, my heart's still in Los Angeles, so I think I can still be part of the, of the management team for women in localization in Los Angeles. So I'm still, I'm still there. So that means and that you're still there. I am. I am. That's amazing. You're still in Los Angeles. Your heart is still in LA. We in Wisconsin will try not to take that personally. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're <done. laughs> The movie's really recent, so I'm still like learning <laughs> to let go of the beach and the palm tree. That's we'll win you back. Don't I worry. love Wisconsin, though. I love Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Wisconsin is, is amazing, and um, and there are great organizations in the area as well, like like Mati, the Midwest Translators and Interpreters Association. That's a great one. Uh, but yeah, women organization is a global organization. So depending mm -hmm. on when you are. Um, of where you are, you could collaborate. Uh, there, I think they have 22 chapters worldwide. Wow, so that's amazing. there are many wow. that you can join. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, guys, we've come to an end. Thank you so much, Marina. It was an absolute pleasure to have you today and to learn more about your exciting professional career. Um, thank you, Alex, Loretta, and Lucio. I hope, I hope you, you can join us on our next episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.